0: Suffering comes in all different types. Suffering affects us all differently. Suffering is something we all will have to face in some part of our lives.
1: It has always been striking to me that the Apostle Peter is talking about preparing Christians for the reality that they will suffer for the sake of Christ.
0: The question around suffering challenges our faith and even questions our belief in our Creator. We all know the story about Job. He loses his health, his wealth, and his family. Yet he is still faithful to God
1: immediately say that to other people but find that I have difficulty trusting that myself and I worry and I fret.
0: We all have our own personal stories of suffering. When we go through a season of suffering, are you faithful to God? Does your faith get you through your season of suffering?
1: When we hear the English word peace, we think of simply the absence of conflict.
0: Are you trusting in God and his word or are you willing to curse God and blame him for all the suffering you endure? Stay tuned for this discussion.
2: The Ear, Evangelical and Reformed, Christian Podcast. Welcome to The Ear, the Evangelical and Reformed, a Christian podcast that urges you to think deeper and draws you closer to God through faith. Through powerful sermons, teaching segments, and discussions, The Ear hopes to give you a different perspective on secular topics from a Christian worldview. He who has ears to hear Let him hear. Please welcome your host, Brandon Queen.
0: Good morning, podcast world, and welcome back to yet another episode of The Ear. Today, we have the privilege of having a special friend of mine that I've met over the years uh, through... Reformed Theological Seminary, and him attending some of our um, general assemblies for the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. Uh, my name is Brandon Queen, and it is a privilege to bring you quality content through discussion and biblical commentary on topics the secular realm often get wrong. With this podcast series <laughs> on faith, we hope that you know through this dialogue, we can show you a connection between faith and suffering. Uh, as Matthew 11:15 15 says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. As I mentioned before, we are honored to have Step Morgan, who is the uh, admissions coordinator. Am I right?
1: Director of admissions, yep.
0: Director of admissions for the Reformed Theological Seminary at the Jackson Campus. Uh, Step is a native of uh, Mississippi. And for several years, he's done some corporate training and consulting and stuff like that. And he's working or should have his Masters of Divinity uh, while while working full-time, which is pretty impressive. So, Steph, go ahead and tell us about yourself.
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so, began my career in Christian camping and thought I would do that all my life, but um, found myself with a young family that needed more time than I was able to give, and so spent uh, a few years working in the service industry and and eventually becoming a consultant and trainer in the area of customer service and and, um, while we were doing that I was also given the opportunity to serve the little um, Presbyterian church where we were members in increasing fashion and eventually was ordained and installed a ruling elder and at the encouragement of our church um moved back home to Jackson, Mississippi, to enroll as a student here at RTS, and partway through my studies had the opportunity to join the staff. So I've now completed my studies and have been on staff uh, as director of admissions for four years now, and love RTS and the opportunity we have to serve the church by preparing pastors and other leaders um, to work in the church. I'm married to the lovely Jessica. We have five kids. We have a a 19-year-old daughter who's a sophomore at Gordon College. We have an 18-year-old son, a 15-year-old daughter, an 11-year-old son, and a 9-year-old son. So uh, things are always busy at our place.
0: (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. All right. So um, how old are you? I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, I am 46.
0: All right. So you're still young. Still young. (laughs)
1: Love that I love
0: that way of characterizing it. Yes, I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I'm actually a ruling elder as well um here at my church in Thibodeau. and I got to I got to admit I really enjoy being an elder uh in my denomination. It's it's a fun um yes, it's a lot of work, but it's a fun position to have, especially if you love serving people. Um
1: yeah, that's, that's exactly right. It's a, it's a real privilege uh, as well as a great responsibility. Um, in the last chapter of Hebrews, Christians are told to um, cooperate with the elders of the church because they're men who will give an account uh, for their souls. And so it's certainly a great responsibility, but it's also a sweet, sweet privilege. And uh, so appreciate you serving in that role and, um, and caring for God's people.
0: Oh, yeah. I love it. Absolutely love it. One of the things that um, is pretty unique about my positioning, if you will, is (laughs) I'm the first African-American elder within my denomination to actually be installed as an elder at my particular congregation. Um, And my pastor made light of that at my grandmother's funeral um, because my grandmother died the month before I got installed as an elder. Um, My grandmother was excited about it when she found out. Um, I was I'm gonna be honest I wasn't excited um, because it it was like you know elder that's for old people and I I don't understand why they're choosing an immature uh, guy uh, at the age of 27 to be their elder uh, at the time I'm 33 now. And I'm like, you know, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, I'm going to tell him no. You know, I'm going to tell my pastor I'm too young. And then obviously he comes back with 1st and 2nd Timothy <laughs> uh-uh. to, yeah, you yeah. know, basically debunk my my reasoning for not wanting to be elder. So I, I became obedient. I prayed about it. Uh, and one of the things that God actually allowed to happen was I went to a coworker uh, and he and I, you know, were talking and I was like, yeah, my my church wants me to be an elder and obviously I have to explain what an elder is to most people, you know, and after explaining it, you know, my buddy's like, you know, you're already doing the work. Why not just continue doing it? You just now have a title. And I, and I was like, you know, I hate it when you're right, <laughs> but it was God literally saying, do the work of the church, you know, accept this road. This is what I'm calling you to. And yeah, when you're obedient to God and you actually listen to what he says, you actually enjoy the work there is, uh, that's, that's ahead of you. So, and in that there's suffering and in that there is, um, you know, I'm not gonna say a loss of faith, but a lack of faith at times. And there's also a time where you, you just (laughs) want to give up. And I think, you know what I'm talking about when I say that.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, this wasn't exactly what we, you know, discussed when we, we talked about the things that we might um, dialogue around. But um, given that you we've we've talked about elders in the church and we talked about suffering, it, it has always been striking to me that in First Peter, chapter four, the Apostle Peter is talking about. He's preparing Christians for the reality that they will suffer for the sake of Christ. Right. He, you know, he's, he says, "I'm paraphrasing here," but he essentially says, "Look, I'm not talking about the kind of suffering that everybody goes through, but I'm, but I'm saying, by virtue of being a Christian, you're going to suffer in some unique ways." And he talks about God's trustworthiness, and at the end of. Chapter 4 of 1 Peter, he says, Therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And then at the start of the next chapter, chapter 5, he says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So clearly there's a lot packed in there. I think one of the things that we miss sometimes because there's so much packed in there is that one of the primary things I think Peter is saying is that God has given his church, Christ has given his people under shepherds. Uh, following his example, in part to model for them Peter's command here to entrust our souls to a faithful creator even while we continue to do good. Elders are given to us in part to show us how to do that. So I think it's it's wonderful that Christ has given us elders, and I'm thankful that that, um, you're serving in that capacity. And and I think that um, one of the reasons that we have elders is because God's people – Uh, will experience suffering.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that once an elder, always an elder, you know, type deal. One of the things that I I do take pride in is yeah, I'm young, but the members of my church that are older, they're obedient too because they listen to uh, (laughs) my voice is heard. You know, I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't talk in church. These people have way more life experience than me and You know, it it was an older member that said, you know, you have life experience too. And that doesn't negate the fact that you're younger, Mm
2: -hmm. you
0: know, and it's look, I try to find ways to get out of doing God's work at times. And I always get put back on track, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and but my thing is, I I cause my own suffering because I'm trying to run from what God's calling me to do, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of just 100 percent embracing the calling and and I'm so glad that I'm to that point to where I I just can't wait to go to seminary and can't wait to get into full-time ministry uh, in the church because that's that's where I'm most comfortable yeah you know yeah and I don't want to I don't want to use the word comfortable too loosely you know in in a negative uh negative way but I I know I'm going to be more useful in the ministry than what I'm in now and that's just my opinion
1: well, I'm sure that you're going to have lots of additional opportunities in front of you, and and my own experience is that it's of enormous help to have training through seminary, like you've suggested. But I don't want to downplay the way that that God um, uses His people in ordinary situations, and your role right now is a significant one. And and uh, you know, going back to Paul's instruction to Timothy again, um, and and also to Titus, he says, teach what accords with sound doctrine, and. I can't tell you how much I have benefited from faithful, godly elders, uh, certainly ministers, yes, but also the elders, the lay ministers, um, those who are called to shepherd God's flock. I have benefited from those elders' role in my life and serving me, and so, um, yes, I agree with you. I look forward with you to what's to come, but but I'm very, very thankful for the way that you already serve.
0: Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And again, it's it's clearly God, (laughs) not me. Um, But there's this uh, level of obedience that we all have to endure. And there's also this level of suffering we will endure. It's just how faithful are we to that suffering uh, and allowing God to work in us, if if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. So let's go ahead and dive into some questions here. Um, and, and you have yeah. a you have a very unique story, um, that we want to that I definitely want to unfold to show, um, how your suffering uh, produces endurance. Um, so first, you know, since you are a seminary graduate, I want you to give me the biblical meaning of faith.
1: Yeah. So. Um there's a sense in which that's really tough um so I'm sitting here in my office and I'm looking over my shelf and and um one of the tools that that um has been given to me to use is this multi volume set of books by two German scholars and Ooh. it's called um theologic the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament and what it does is it looks at all the Greek words used in the original language of the New Testament in in, uh, Greek, and um, the word that we would most commonly translate faith is an entry that takes over 50 pages. So there's a sense in which that is not an easy question to answer, (laughs) but but I also have in my office a wonderful tool that um, other men who've gone before, um, theologians and ministers who have labored to help Christians um, understand what it is the Bible teaches and um, be able to communicate that in a succinct way. They've demonstrated that there's a sense in which it's a simple question to answer. So um, several hundred years ago, a group of ministers and theologians and elders were gathered um, to articulate – the Christian faith for um, for the people of England and, and Scotland, and um, they answer the question, what is faith, this way. Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he has offered to us in the gospel. Uh, so that's from the West wow. Westminster Shorter Catechism. That's question 86. Wow. And, you know, we, we could say... Um, the Bible has a lot to say about faith, but when you when you drill down and you look at all of what it's saying, we see that ultimately our faith is to be in Jesus Christ. Um, that that's what the Bible is leading us to, and 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 um, so these collection of ministers called the Westminster Divines, they had other things to say too. So they had longer um, expressions to articulate our faith. They have something called the Westminster Confession of Faith. And in and in the paragraph about faith, it talks about the fact that um this is it's a grace, it's a gift of God. It's by work of the Holy Spirit in in the person, and that um it's actually God by his spirit who who um works faith in us or or creates faith in us, and it's also God by his spirit who nurtures that faith. Our faith could be strong or weak in varying degrees. Um we understand from Scripture, um, but the faith that we have is of God, and and um, and this faith is certainly a it's a dependence, it's a belief in God's Word, it's a dependence upon Him, and it um, and it leads us to a right response to God. So, again, it's a grace; it's God who does it. But it is, uh, it's something that, is, that produces um, a particular response. Of course, we read about that in um, the New Testament book of James, that faith without works is dead, that, that the, the kind of faith that God um, creates in his people is a faith that, uh, that changes them and, and produces a response of obedience to God. So. Um, that would be my stab. My my uh, my response to what does the Bible say about faith is to look to those wiser than me and um use their articulations of response. I will say <laughs> one thing more. When we when we um you know, a famous place that we would look to in scripture about faith is Hebrews eleven and, yep. and words that are very famous. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, but but then it goes on from there. To tell us something about faith by saying, hey, remember those true stories of the people of God. It was by faith that Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. It was by faith that Noah, being warned by God um, uh, of what was to come, uh, responded and constructed an ark. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed. It was by faith that Sarah herself received power to conceive um and and on and on and on by faith Joseph by faith Moses um all these things are by faith and so one of the things that Hebrews 11 is telling us is that um we are being shown something about the nature of faith in in um God's work among his people from the beginning um another thing that we could say from scripture is that we see particularly in wisdom literature, that the Bible speaks a lot about the fear of the Lord. And this could also be seen as uh, another way of understanding faith. So those are a few things. But if you were to boil it down, it's specifically faith in Jesus Christ, the one who is promised, the one who is chosen by God to be the redeemer of his people. It's faith in him of which the Bible speaks.
0: Amen. Amen. That was a very thorough explanation of faith and and that's one of the reasons why i'm actually doing a series on faith uh, because faith obviously it's it's one system but it's a complex system because everybody has uh we all deal with different levels of faith let me just say that you know last week i did an episode on faith through vision and it's i had two people on they own a bakery near um where i live at and they talked about their obedience to God and the vision that God gave them for opening up the bakery uh, and how they just, you know, the the owner, the actual owner, she quit teaching to open up this bakery. You know, she stepped out on faith and did it. And it was her faith that actually that's keeping her going. you know, it's 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 a cool thing that if you sit down and think about faith and how your faith and where your faith is, how much cool stuff comes out of that, if you're you know, in tune to what your faith is.
1: Yeah. Makes sense.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So my next question is how would you describe your faith life? I don't mean to get too personal, but I'm just curious.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I mentioned before that these guys who put together the Westminster confession of faith and its catechisms that they acknowledge you know, we see from scripture that uh, faith can be of varying strengths. It can be weak or strong. And, um, uh, you know, with that in mind, you know, I, I tend to think of my, my life of faith as wobbly. Uh, I feel like such a weak, um, uh, <laughs> child of God and, um, yeah, yeah, very frail. Um, I, I, uh, so a book that I, Read in the last year or so, uh, maybe even just preceding the um, the accident, which which you kind of alluded to earlier, was um, an abridged version of the letters of a, a Scottish minister from actually the period in which the Westminster documents were were formed. Um, he was a, he was actually a, a member of of those proceedings. Uh, A guy named Samuel Rutherford, and and he talks about his own faith in really honest, open ways in his letters to various people. And um, one instance in which he talks about his faith that I find striking, um, he says, I see faith's necessity in a fair day is never known aright, right, but now I miss nothing so much as faith. I can let Christ grip me, but I cannot grip him. All that I can do is hold out a lame faith to Christ like a beggar holding out a stump instead of an arm or leg and cry, Lord Jesus, work a miracle. And I think think that's probably a a much more poetic uh, way than I would uh, come to myself, but maybe a pretty accurate way of describing my own faith. It feels as though... It is this wonderful gift, which I am um, unable to make use of. I need it entirely to be of God's grace. I need him to strengthen my faith and nurture my faith. And I find that if it's a tool for me to grip him, I can't use the tool right. I need him to grip me, as Rutherford says. And and that is actually the the essence of our faith. So, our faith in Jesus Christ is that he's done everything necessary to make us right with God um, in, in, in two ways. He has actively obeyed everything that God requires of his people. And then passively also, he has um, received in his flesh the penalty of our disobedience. So He is both; he's offered himself up to God uh, both as a righteousness on our behalf, And he was also made sin for us. So that's what we're trusting is that Christ has made us right with God and that he is ours and we are his. And that he has given us a helper, his spirit, who is changing us and making us more like him. And So so one thing to say about my life of faith is that it's a faith in that. It's a faith in Christ. And the other thing to say about my life of faith is that – one of the ways that I um, try to cooperate with his work is by availing myself of the ways he most often works. So the language of the Westminster Divines is, um, they call this ordinary means, the ordinary ways that God creates faith in us and then nurtures that faith. So ordinarily he Faith is wrought in us by the preaching of the Word. So God uses His Word, and particularly the preaching of His Word. And then in nurturing the faith that He's worked in us by His Spirit, again, the ministry of the Word nurtures that faith, strengthens that faith, as well as the right use of the sacraments, baptism, Lord's Supper, and also the prayers of God's people. And so part of my life of faith is not being a Lone Ranger, but being a part of God's people and gathering with them to worship God on the Lord's Day on Sundays, the first day of the week. And, um, and so there's something really special and significant about those means of grace in the context of corporate worship. But, of course, we're wise to also be a people who – um, as families and as individuals, read God's word and come to know God's word and meditate upon God's word and hide it in our hearts. And we're wise to be people who reflect upon the significance of the, sac- of the sacraments and that we anticipate being called to the Lord's table and prepare for that when we know that it's coming and uh, reflect upon his goodness and and, um, and then also being a people of prayer. So Those are things that I try to give myself to in my life of faith. Again, I feel so weak and wobbly and and, uh, inconsistent and totally dependent upon him. And, of course, I am dependent upon him. And by his grace, um, my faith is strengthened by those things, um, you know, ministry of the Word, sacraments, and prayer. So uh, that's what my life of faith feels like to me.
0: Well, it's funny you say that. I have three – distinctive um, ways I describe my faith. Uh, the first way is um, you ever had a soggy waffle?
1: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, th- that's that's me and my faith sometimes. Like, I'm just a soggy mm. waffle and I'm just, I'm covered in, in all this guck and my firmness you know, this is me saying my firmness is not there and I basically take that Or let me rephrase this. I try to take that from God as in, you know, I can fix it on my own. I can be strong again, but I'm just a wet, soggy waffle. Mm. And I can only be strengthened again by my faith in God and by his dying of my sins. Um, And then the next way I describe my faith is, uh, think of a merry-go-round that's broken. Okay, because our life, you know, goes around and around and around. So if you look at a merry-go-round that's broken and it's wobbly, It's going to, you're going to look at it like that's a, that's a messed up merry-go-round. Well, that's my faith also at times. And then the last way I describe my faith is a broken piece of concrete. Okay. I'm strong in areas that I know I can be strong in, but I'm weak in the areas, you know, that for example, I don't think I'm worthy enough to be even considered a child of God. And that's just the nature of us as sinners, you know? But I have to keep reminding myself that, you know, he's the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. And that's from uh, first John uh, chapter two, verse two. You know, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. You know, so my faith should lie in the fact that Jesus came and died and bled for my sins. He made me right before the father. Yeah. But every now and again, I'm just that wet, soggy waffle. (laughs) It's probably a bad uh, explanation to describe my faith, but it's I'm a wet, soggy waffle. Can't help it.
1: (laughs) Well, well, praise God for his crispening grace.
0: Yes. Sometimes I just need to be burnt in that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Steph, is there any particular incident that challenged your faith?
1: Yeah, so you know, nothing comes to mind. So we'll, we'll talk in a bit about a very significant incident in my life, which has occurred. But in God's grace, it's not that that has challenged my faith. What I find most challenges my faith is the much less dramatic stuff, the sort of humdrum of life and when I give myself, or when I fail to give myself um, to the, you know, the, the, the ongoing work of of being under God's means of grace, those are the things that actually seem to challenge my faith more. Um, one of the things that um, that you had mentioned that we might talk about is, you know, why does God permit difficult things? And I think All right. part of why he permits difficult things is that he would be glorified. And that's not to say there's some aspect of his glory that's lacking, but rather it's to say that his glory would be revealed in yet another way. And you know, when we read about – when we read in the Bible about God's glory, we, we are being led to recognize that God is – the most weighty of, of, of any idea or thing we would experience. He is the most beautiful. He is the most worthy of adoration and enjoyment and praise and, and obedience and so forth. And every day as I walk around in this world, um, I have the remaining corrupting influence of sin, and I have in front of me a a system of interactions with man, a system of belief, a system of values, which is hostile to God. And I have an enemy, Hmm. um, an adversary in in the devil, who would have me believe a lie and would have me believe that rather than God being glorious, it's something else or some collection of something else. Um, This world would have me elevate some of God's created things, even some of his good gifts to us, and make them ultimate things, the things that are most worthy, the things in which we should most hope, that kind of thing. And and, and that's what I find that most does battle with my faith, that most um, tempts me and, and, and tries my faith um, is um, basically failing to be in God's word and, and um, having my vision clouded by the values of a system that's hostile to God.
0: Yeah. And, you know, when you're taking a look at, at, at this, this last question I just asked, I've had several of those moments where my faith was challenged, you know, yeah. I, I didn't grow up in the best, you know, don't get me wrong, I love my family, but I didn't grow up with the the best uh, income, if you will, um, or I didn't grow up with um, the nicer house or anything. I grew up poor. I grew up living in government housing, and I grew up with a mom that was on drugs, and my grandmother raised me. You know, you would think a, a kid that has to live in that or endure that as a child, they're not supposed to have faith. Mm. They're not supposed to believe in God. They're not supposed to be the one to succeed. They're supposed to be trapped in that in that lifestyle to where they're dependent on um, other people or the government, if you will. And there's no way out for them. That's the mindset they're supposed to have. Yeah. But by yeah. God's grace and for him choosing me and others like me, I know I'm his. Okay. Yeah, that's right. However, I'm still human and I still struggle. And I've, I have struggled with that a lot as a kid, you know, am I ever going to get out of this, this lifestyle? Am I ever going to be able to, you know, go to college and get a college degree or, you know, am I going to be stuck into the criminal justice system? You know, uh, obviously the other side, <laughs> not the enforcer, but the one on the other side getting the enforcement, you know, a- am I going to be. This this uh, person that evades the law or just has no respect for women, has no respect for himself or anybody else. But am I going to have that faith and see that God actually is pulling me into a direction of worship toward him to where he gets all the glory?
1: Yeah, you know,
0: and then as I get older, I struggle with other things that challenge my faith, you know, (laughs) being an adult. Uh, I will go back to being a kid any day, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But it's just those moments where you are sitting down and your back's against the wall and you're trying to figure out what's the next move. And the next move is just simply trusting in God, putting your faith 145% into who he is and what he's done. Plain and simple.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said that because I don't want... um i do i do want to stress again that the things that i've experienced are by god's grace and the challenges that i face maybe are, are different from some people's but are in in some sense the same and and i don't want to discount the fact that people do many many people um they have dramatic moments where a specific incident or a crisis or an ongoing aspect of suffering um, challenges their faith. And it's only by God's grace that that is less my story. But what I can say, what I was trying to say is that the reason I say my faith is so weak and wobbly is it, it doesn't take the big, you know, it doesn't take the big crisis to challenge my faith. It takes the kind of everyday boring stuff the like you say, the being adult and an adult and having responsibilities. And, um, yeah, I find so often that I will encourage others to trust God. Don't you know that he cares for you so much more than the sparrows and not a single sparrow falls from the sky um, without him um, knowing that and and don't you know he cares for you you're worth so much more than many sparrows so I would immediately say that to other people but find that I have difficulty trusting that myself and I worry and I fret and so um, yeah I I, um, I I recognize that a lot of people they they are challenged in their faith by some dramatic moments and, and hardships. And um, um <laughs> I find for me it's the little things, the little things um are challenging to our faith. Oh yeah. But as you said, uh thanks be to God, his grace is sufficient.
0: Oh yeah. Absolutely. And I don't want to make this about me. I just I had to, you know, put that out there that everybody struggles differently. Um, everybody suffers differently. And everybody responds to their suffering differently, and we're gonna kind of yeah. we're gonna kind of get into that uh, as the, the uh, discussion goes on. But my next question is, uh, you know, step has your faith strengthened over the years?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, it definitely has, and I, I've been really, really blessed by God to have um, grown up in a family. Of faith, a family of believers. And so from an early age, I was involved in corporate worship on Sundays, you know, gathering with God's people and, and, and God has used that. And so, um, yes, my faith has certainly grown and, and it has become stronger and, um, And those are some things that have caused my faith to strengthen over the years, that God does use those things, his words, sacraments, prayer. He also uses his people. There's something really significant. Um, You know, we talked about Hebrews 11. Well, the start of the next chapter, Hebrews 12 says, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, and this is, these are not witnesses who are observers in the sports stadium. These are witnesses who are bearing testimony to say you've placed your hope in the right place when you have placed your hope in the god of the bible amen yeah saying yes uh these things are true god is trustworthy you can depend upon him that's that's what abel and abraham and moses and noah and joseph that's what all those guys are saying to us is is um God is trustworthy. You can depend upon him, place your faith in him. And so um, we continue to experience that both by having God's word and, and having um, those um, God's people of old. But God continues to work not in exactly a identical way, but in a very similar way. So his word is complete. But he continues to use his people to encourage us and to encourage our faith. And uh, I've been struck this last year or so as I've been reflecting on the significance of hymns. And um, I've thought a fair amount about Paul's instruction in at least two places where he says, address one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. And it had never quite hit me that he is saying it's not only that we are addressing God when we are worshiping him with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, but we are also addressing one another. Mm-hmm. So when I show up to worship on Sunday and um, singing you know, whatever hymn or psalm or whatever is before us, I'm there with other people who are in effect as they are lifting their voices, singing the truth of God's word. They are in effect saying to me, These things are true, Step Morgan, believe these things. And um, so one of the things that strengthened my faith over the years is the testimony and the example of God's people, having the opportunity to be in relationship to them.
0: Right. Absolutely. And you you keep saying uh, sacrament and and corporate worship and, you know, uh, prayer. And all of those things, including hanging out and worshiping with fellow believers that believe like you, all of those things are the center of our worship. And the center of our worship, obviously, is Christ. Okay, so you struggle with faith. I struggle with faith. I'm pretty sure our listeners struggle with faith. We have a lot of things that we struggle with, and, but because we have that community of people, we can rely on and go to our brother or sister and say, look, I'm having issues with this. Can you pray for me? Um, or I- I'm struggling with this. You know, can you walk alongside me to make sure I don't fall back into this temptation or sin or whatever? And that's the beauty of the church. OK, um, you know, we just we just dealt with Hurricane Ida uh, here in, in South Louisiana and we we still got some parts of the parish and some parts of the region that's still affected by item. But when you look at the church, you got an assemblies of God church partnering with a Baptist church to get stuff done. You got a Presbyterian church partnering with uh, assemblies of God and a non-denominational church to get stuff done. That is how the church is supposed to function. Okay. It's not supposed to be a divided thing where one faith, if you will, goes one direction and another faith goes another direction. No, faith is one thing. And if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, then that's how we continue on as a body of Christ or as the body of Christ. You know?
1: Yeah, and and, and I agree completely with you. That it is a beautiful, beautiful thing to see God's people in action when they come together to bear one another's burdens, and to serve their neighbors as well. And so, yeah, so glad to hear that you have had the opportunity to see that in the response to the hurricane. And um, yeah, our family has experienced that same thing of the church coming together to bear our burdens with us. And, and um, it's such a beautiful picture. Um, and it's been a real help to us. It's been a real help to my kids um, and my wife. And, and so you're exactly right. What a gift it is to, uh, belong to God's people and have them belong to us.
0: Right. And, and this, this idea of being saved by grace, you know, Ephesians two eight says it best. It says that for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God. It is a gift that we have been given, That we can't lose, we can't get rid of, we can't sell to somebody else. It is ours until the day we die. Until we're, and and when I say death, I'm not talking about, you know, oh, you know, we're just dead and that's the end of it. I'm talking die a physical death, but now we're with Christ for eternity. And we get to see that this particular Bible verse in action forever. Yeah. You know, and. You know, this whole idea behind this series is to put faith from different angles on display, because I want people to understand that faith is important. Uh, You know, you got to be able to put your faith on display for other people to see it. Uh, You know, we are and you said it earlier, you know, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we have to be a part of that witness. You know, no matter how we look at it. You know, we oh, I don't talk about, you know, religion at work or I don't talk about religion when I'm hanging out with my friends. No. Believe it or not, everything you do, you're you are a part of that witness. You know, so just how you handle your suffering, people watch that. How you handle uh trials and tribulations, people watch and look at that and they they watch how you handle it. And if your faith is a wet, soggy waffle and you're all over the place, (laughs) you know, are you going to be a good person for them to to model after? Or when they go through something, uh, you know, oh man, man, step was so strong when he, he dealt with his situation. Like I'm struggling with this. I need to talk to him to see what got him through. And then that's the moment when God says, all right, step, this is what happened to you. It was bad at this time, but, you know, now you get to see why, you know, and now you get to help someone else, you know, and you're the vessel that God's choosing to do that particular work.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I don't mean to preach, but, uh, (laughs) 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 so what does the Bible uh, teach about faith?
1: Yeah. Um, so we've, I think we've discussed a good bit of that, but, um, one of the things that that uh, the Bible also says is without faith is impossible to please God. And that, um, so maybe one of the things that we've not brought out is the exclusivity of faith. There's no other way by which we will be reconciled to God. There's no other way by which we will come to know the one who is most glorious, the one who's most worthy of our, focused attention, of our striving, of our obedience, of our all. You know, everyone is striving after something, and that's a, that's a perverted response to the fact that they're made by a glorious creator. The only way we'll know the God who made us is via the means that he provides. And as you said, um, it's by grace alone – Through faith, and our faith is not something that we bring to the table. It's not something that we bring to this arrangement. He gives us faith, but um, we'll only know God by faith. There's no Plan B. There's no um, means which we can create, and there's a fullness. So you talked about it's not simply that we live this life and that we die. There's a great hymn that we sing. It is well with my soul, and in that that hymn hymn we cry. Cry out to God, Lord, haste the day when our faith shall be sight. So, we talked about we see things in this life, we see things in the lives of our brothers and sisters which help our faith, they're aids to our faith, they're little glimmers of God's glory as He's at work, even now. But there's a fullness that's still to come when we're, um, rid not only of the guilt of our sin, but rid of our sin entirely, and when. Our bodies are resurrected and made likened to Jesus Christ's glorious resurrected body. When we are done with sickness and with death and when Christ will wipe away our tears, um, there's a fullness when we're with him, um, never more to be parted. So that's certainly something that the Bible teaches us about faith is that there is a fullness yet to come and there is an exclusivity to the means that God has provided. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ that we will be reconciled to God and that we'll know the fulfillment of this great longing. So that fantastic little tool, teaching tool, that's what a catechism is, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Its first question is essentially, what is a human for? And and the answer is to glorify and enjoy God. We long so much to enjoy something, and um, and that actually is good. But where it goes wrong is when we're looking to enjoy something other than God. God right. is the most glorious one. Right, And uh, it's by faith in Jesus Christ that we're reconciled to him and we'll know the fullness we long for someday.
0: You know, and I'm going to play with some words real quick, and and I've done this before. Uh, I've done it in a couple of debates in college, and I had fun with it. You know, so God gives us that faith, right?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: All right. And because he gives us this faith uh, freely, we have this confidence that he is there for us. We have this confidence that he is our provider. You know, we have this confidence. We have confidence in Jesus Christ alone. And then we have confidence in our faith alone. Okay. So when you take the word confidence, all right, confide from the Latin, which means with faith. Okay. So if God is giving us this faith, we're not, we now have this confidence built up, this with faith built up to where we know wholeheartedly who Jesus is, what he came to do why he did it, and the benefit that I get from it. Yeah, okay. And and with this, with faith, I repent of my sins, and I know exactly where my assurance is in Christ Jesus.
1: That's good. You know, yeah. so
0: I'm a bit of a word nerd.
1: <laughs> hey, words are good. Words are powerful things.
0: Yeah. And if you use them right and, you know, not let the media twist them to mean something different, then, you know, um, I'm always one. Like, if you see me in church, uh, I'm, I'm the definition of the frozen chosen. Uh, and, and it's not because I'm not into the music or the person leading the music sucks or anything. It's not that I listen to the lyrics because the lyrics make everything make sense. OK, yeah. it is so easy to get lost in uh, the melody, the the tune of the music, the the beat drum, the, the lights. I just can close my eyes. Well, I can't because I'm controlling the live stream, but I'll just close my eyes and just listen at the lyrics and the lyrics actually make sense to me. All right. Now, you might know this old hymn. It's actually one of my favorite. It's uh, my faith looks up to thee. You know yeah. that one? All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the first verse literally says, My faith looks up to thee, thou Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine. Now hear me while I pray. Take all of my guilt away. Oh, let me from the day be holy thine. Mm. Like, I don't know what these people were thinking back then, but they just know how to write. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. That is just a, that one verse is just so captivating. And it's actually, I call it the pill of faith. It is the capsule of of faith. All right. In one verse. Now I'm not saying this is better than what the Bible says about faith, but in the song that just all of faith is in that one verse.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. So the next question you may be able to answer may not be able to answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Why is it so hard for most people to have faith in God?
1: Yeah. So I think the Bible explains that. And we, we see in our first father and mother, Adam and Eve, a response that if we're honest with ourselves, we see in ourselves a response to God's goodness, a response to God's command, um, and that's a response of, of disbelief. So Adam did not believe God. He disobeyed God. So God said to him, hey, I have made a really wonderful world here, and I'm giving you a job. I want you to fill it up. I want you to have a bunch of kiddos. I want you to tend this good earth that I've made. I want you to to organize it, to bring it to even greater order, um, and you can eat a any of these trees in this garden except for this one on the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And rather than believe in God, Adam chose to believe a deceiver, the serpent, and the serpent said to him basically, Hey, God's holding out on you. If you want what's good, if you really want to flourish, you got to take things for yourself. And, um, and Adam disobeyed God. And when he did, um, he affected us. All of us who come from Adam, we we have that same pattern, and the Bible calls that sin. Sin is not only actions, those, those are sins, but sin is also um, a, a state, and the nature of man after Adam's sin is to be hostile towards God, is to follow in the pattern of Adam, um, people are actually called uh, the, the deceiver. The serpent, Satan, is called the father of lies. And at times, people uh, are rebuked by um, by Christ, by the apostles, for being uh, children of the father of lies. They they've chosen to believe a lie, and so the reason that people don't have faith in God is they can't accept by God's grace. When God gives us this gift of faith, when he begins to work in us by his spirit. And so, um, yeah, it's incredibly important, as you said earlier, that we who have been given faith in God would share that good news. Hey, good news, the one who made you, the most glorious one, the holy one, the one true living God is gracious. And he has provided a way for you to be reconciled to him. So, yeah, we should be a people who are eager to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should be a people who are able to give a reason for the hope that we ourselves have, um, knowing that it's all of God's grace. And we should long for our neighbors to be recipients of God's grace as well. But the reason that people find it so hard to have faith in God is because the nature of sin is to be— antithetical to god in every way
0: yeah and i look at it like this too sin is not only this um what i would call magnet if you will you know you, you'll get oh man that's a beautiful woman Up oh, there's the lust oh man you know hey man you shouldn't be doing that you know the bible says that yeah i know but you know she's beautiful and yeah, but the Bible says and then we get to this point where we literally ignore our teaching, okay? And we basically take our confidence, if you will, our confidence in our faith and we set it aside and we literally indulge in that sin to tickle our fancy, if you will, for a moment. So we lose that that uh discipline and we say, okay, this is what the world does. I want to do it too. I want a piece of that. And then I'll go back to worshiping God on Sundays. I think a lot of us are guilty of that. You know, we tend to not want the authority of God ruling our lives for a moment where we can do our own thing. And and yeah. the Bible speaks on that too, that, you know, in the Old Testament, they did, they, was, they did what was right in their own eyes. I don't want us as a people, as a Christian people, as a chosen people, to do what's right in our own eyes. I want that constant accountability from people like you, Step, from, you know, people like Scott Red, uh, you know, Mike Glodo, my friends, you know JT Holderman and Matt Everhart. Like I want those friends, and including my pastor and, and my elders, you know, that I'm that I serve with, to be my accountability. So when I fall, they can correct me and then I can build my confidence back up. In the faith that was already given to me, you know, and I, I'm not sitting there trying to oh the world does it. I'm gonna do it. Up oh, the world does it. I'm going. You know, you get what I'm saying.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> oh, sorry, You're a little stuffy. All right, so no, okay. w- we're gonna switch the the dynamic of this conversation. We're gonna talk about suffering for a moment. Um, so what is the nature of suffering? Step.
1: Yeah, boy, how to, how to express that in a succinct way? Well, maybe one way to think about suffering is it is the opposite of, um, of what God designed for us. So, you know, in the garden, Adam and Eve, before they disobeyed God, um, everything could be characterized by flourishing. And the Bible talks a lot about um, something that we we use the English word peace to translate. But these days, when we hear the English word peace, we think of simply the absence of conflict. But in the Bible, it's in it's the presence of flourishing, things being as they ought to be. And so maybe one way that we can think about what is suffering is it's it's the, it's the absence of peace. We're not flourishing. In fact, there's a presence of something that's working against that. And so I think the word suffering, when I hear the word suffering, there's certainly a connotation of not merely a one-time event but some ongoing thing. So maybe there was one fast, tragic event, and in the moment it passed very quickly, but but we suffer for many days, or weeks, or months, perhaps the rest of our life, because of the effects of that event, or because of how evil it was, and that that the event was the evil was inflicted upon us, something like that. So, suffering has the connotation of of, of pain, of grief, and of of having some extended season.
0: Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and. You know, for me, suffering, you say it's a, it's the absence of peace. I like that. I never thought about it in that aspect. Um, but when I look at suffering, it's literally a lack of faith.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, now, yes, we all will suffer in some capacity in our lives. Um, but if that suffering kicks our butt, if you will, if that suffering knocks us, you know, basically out of the park, and we lose all confidence uh, in our faith, and then we lose all faith in God, yeah, suffering is the absence of um, more than just our faith, okay? So, you know, suffering could be a (laughs) code, or someone's diagnosed with cancer, and and they lose all faith. They lose all confidence in, in everything that they were taught. Um, or, or whatever the case may be, suffering could be the loss of a loved one, uh, the loss of a child, you know, it, it's all, it's how you handle that suffering. Are you going to lose your faith? Or are you going to rely on your faith? Or are you going to just stop believing in God because of it? How are you going to, you know, how, how, why, you know, and, and what does the Bible say about suffering? Well, you and I both know the Bible says a lot about suffering I mean, for goodness sake, take a look at Job. You know, Job lost his health, his wealth, his children. He lost everything. The only thing he didn't lose was his wife. Uh, I, I like to say he did lose his wife because she even told him to curse God and die. Yeah,
2: exactly.
0: <laughs> you know, right. huh? so and he basically lost everything, but he still had that faith that saw him through everything. And because of that, God was abundantly gracious to him and blessed him again and again and again so you know step why does god allow tragedies to happen
1: yeah yeah so yeah this was something I i was trying to get at a little bit earlier in that god is um he is actively engaged in his creation so the fancy theology word for that is providence um Providence is is God's most holy, wise, and powerful governing and uh, preserving, governing all His creatures and all their actions. So God is not the God of the the God of the Bible is not the God of the Deist. He hasn't wound the top up and sent it off spinning, and it's just doing His own thing. He is still very engaged in His creation, uh, preserving and even governing what occurs. So why then does God? allow things that are painful for us, that are difficult for us? Uh, Why is it that he permits injustice to occur and evils to occur? What we find in the Bible is that God is greater than these things and that his resolution of these things is just. Why does God permit these things? Because he's, he's wiser than we are. And he is kinder than we are. He is more patient than we are. And we can trust that in the end, these things will not have been permitted um, ultimately. They will not go unanswered. The Bible is very clear that there is a reckoning that is coming. Um, There's this really amazing thing going on in Luke's telling – uh, of Christ's triumphal entry to Jerusalem. When, when Jesus gets to Jerusalem, he goes up on a high spot and he's looking out over the city and he weeps um, because the city didn't recognize the time of its visitation. And there's actually a word there that's used in the original language that implies a specific kind of visitation. It's when the king's ambassador comes. And when a king visits, when a king comes, he puts everything right. And there's actually a parable just before Christ's triumphal entry in Luke and just after, in which a king or a landowner, someone with authority comes and deals with their unfaithful servants, and they wipe them out. Hmm. And Jesus is a king who, on his first visitation, could put everything to right by wiping us all out because that's what we deserve. Jesus is a king who comes twice, and on his first first visitation, he came, and he was wiped out, so to speak. He came and bore what was deserved for the sins of his people Hmm. so that they would not have to bear it. But he is coming again, and he will— he will come in the manner that is more to be expected of a king, and he will put things to right. Um, and so I don't know that I'm the best person to explain why God permits difficult things to occur, but I'm someone who sees over and over in the Bible that we are assured that is not from naught and it's not because of some flaw in God's character. God can be trusted with the difficult things that he permits, and he promises us that he will put all these things to right. And he also assures us, as you indicated before, that he will shepherd us through these things, that there is a comfort to be had even now, not only someday, there's a fullness of comfort to be had someday. But there's real comfort to be had now. So Paul says, hey, we're pressed. We're pressed, but we're not crushed. Right. Um, And, man, Paul, if there's ever been someone who's pressed, how many times was he beaten and left for dead? Like five (laughs) times he, he had the 40 lashes minus one, which was thought to be just as far as you could go before you kill the guy. Stoned and left for dead, shipwrecked often hungry, often cold, often exposed to the weather. Um, and yet Paul says to um, the Christians to whom he writes, I count it joy when I get to suffer on your behalf. It's not for naught. And Paul also says in um, 1 Corinthians 4, he says, he, he calls the sufferings that we experience in this life light and momentary affliction, And he's not making light of the agony that many people experience, of the horror that many people experience. Instead, he's making much Mm. of God's grace and what is to come. So, yeah, I I would look to smarter people than myself (laughs) to best understand what the Bible is teaching us about why God permits difficult things. But I think it's plain – for anyone who can read it's plain for us to see that we can trust him with his reasons he is good yeah. and he is far greater than we have capacity to imagine
0: and and i always just go back to this this one passage where it says that god works all things you know for those who love him you know all, all the bad things we can potentially deal with god's going to turn that into good OK, yeah,
1: that's exactly right.
0: And, and it it may not look like it while you're going through it. And it may not look like it after you've been through it. But several years down the line, when you start looking at your life and surveying your life and you start seeing, oh, wow, that happened. Oh, wow. That happened. Now. Th- oh, wow. <laughs> I'm a fool. Now I see what God was doing, you know, so you and I, we do share uh, <laughs> actually a lot of similarities But one of the things that you and I share is cycling. Now you do, you do mountain biking, um, which is something you probably won't catch me doing. Uh, and I'm a, a road cyclist. I like, you know, on a road bike, skinny tires, you know, skin tight suit, if you will going to town. All right. So you had an accident uh, step and I want you to tell us about that accident.
1: Yeah. Happy to do that. Um, yeah, I love mountain biking, man. I love mountain biking. It lets me be outdoors in the beauty of God's creation and makes me a kid again with the you know the wind blowing in my face and um, it's, it's just so much fun. I enjoy it so much, and so I I try to get out on the trails as often as I can. It's a wonderful means of stress relief. Um, I love that you characterize me as a young man. And yet I have reached the age where I have to pay more attention to exercise and so forth. And so mountain biking does all (laughs) that stuff for me. Right. And um, we have a great little set of mountain bike trails here in the greater Jackson area. They're called the Ridgeland trails. They're a few miles west of Ridgeland, which is just north of Jackson. We have about nine or 10 miles of of really well-maintained trails and a great, great, great riding community around those trails. And so, over the past few years I've um, tried to get out to those trails a couple times a week or more if I can and just over a year ago on a Friday evening I got off work about 15 minutes early and um, I knew that rain was forecast and if there was going to be any chance of me getting to ride that weekend it would be that evening and so um, On a Friday evening last October, I came home from work, told my wife, hey, I'm going to go for a quick ride, but then I'll be right back home for movie night, family movie night. And I went for what did turn out to be a quick ride, but it would be over 15 days before I returned home. While I was on that ride, um, I was riding one of the features of the trails, which is, Called a drop it's a little wooden platform that you ride off of and if you're using correct tini- technique you land on sloping ground and so the force just carries you forward rather than slamming you on the ground um, and so that drop is actually a set of two drops and um, is the smaller the two the I'd always really liked the bigger drop and thought, man, I really want to do this drop, but it's just big enough that a guy could get hurt. So what I need to do is I need to master the small drop so that I can be sure that I can handle the big drop without any danger. And so I set a goal for myself. Every time I went to the trails to ride, I would ride the small drop three times so that I could master it. And I had done that. I'd probably ridden that drop between 100 and 150 times. And I and I had gotten to where I could ride it really aggressively. So I could I could ride it with a lot of speed, which would carry me out farther. And That night, um, I had already ridden the drop once, and I had kind of circled around and was doing some trails, and I'd ridden up the hill above the drop, and I was coming down the hill, and I was just screaming down the hill, taking his his hanging on to as much speed as I could and just as I'm launching off this wooden platform my left foot comes unclipped from my pedal so I have riding shoes with these little cleats that clip into a clamp on the pedal and my left foot came unclamped and I can't remember the exact moment of the impact but I think what happened was I landed full force on my left leg so 210 pound man going 12 miles an hour or something yeah and uh, (laughs) the bones in my lower leg just snapped and so the things I remember I remember lifting off the drop thinking this is not good and then the next thing I remember is being amazed that I was still on my bike so the impact had thrown me forward on my bike but I was kind of still sitting on the top tube with the handlebars in my chest and all this is happening Uh you know in the span of a second or two seconds and trying to get control of my bike and i slam into a tree and that's what stops me and I'm lying there with the breath knocked out of me and I'm thinking surely I have broken ribs and broken collarbones and all of that stuff was fine and when I'm when I got my breath, I called for help, and immediately some riders were there within a minute or so. And we didn't have our phones, but um, there were a couple of them. And one stayed with me, and one rider went to get our phones. And, and um, other riders began to kind of gather around us. They had heard my call for help, and um, so I was there, and I knew I knew my leg was very badly broken, and I knew I would need help to get out of the woods. We were about a quarter of a mile up the trail from the trailhead. But I thought, oh man, you know, I'm going to spend the night in the ER and we're going to wade and then I'm going to have this huge body cast and <laughs> this Sunday I'm going to have to preach from a stool because I'm going to be in a cast and be on crutches. And what I did not know is that when my bones broke, they kind of became knives and my tibia cut the artery that serves the lower leg. And so I was bleeding to death and and didn't know it. Um, And because we were up the hill, um, we had to wait for the local fire department to bring an ATV uh, to haul me out. And so from the time of my crash to the time that the ambulance left, the trailhead was about an hour. And then it was another 20 minutes to the trauma center and 45 minutes in the ER. before i was taken into emergency surgery and so my leg went a very long time without oxygen so that was on a friday night the next morning on a saturday the the doctors came to me and they said hey um we're gonna we're gonna take you into surgery today and we were gonna amputate your leg mid-thigh but we have a vascular surgeon here who thinks he can do a procedure that might Give us a chance to save your leg. And so I waited and I waited and I waited and I waited. Finally, at 8 p.m. that night, this vascular surgeon comes in and he says to me, I'm so sorry that we were not able to do your surgery today, but there were other trauma cases that came in and they were not stable and, and you were stable. And, and so we had to take them first. And he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll wait one more hour. And if the operating room I need comes open in the next hour. I'll do your surgery tonight. And so that was at 8 p.m. And at 9 p.m., the operating room that he needed became available. So they cleaned it and they took me back. And my wife tells me I came out of surgery about 1230 or so. And what that surgeon did was he took a vein from my right leg, my good leg, and he created a bypass in my left leg so that I did not have to have my leg amputated mid-thigh that day. Um, and so, um, for a week, the surgeons tried to save my leg, but several times they had to take me into a surgery to remove dying tissue, um, because the muscle had gone so long without oxygen, it had continued to die. So after a week, the head surgeon came to me and he said, um, look, we've gotten you to the place where you can keep your foot but you have lost two of the four muscle groups you need to use it. And so I've had all the faculty look at your case, not just your file, but actually come in the operating room and we're all in agreement that you should amputate. And so after a week I had uh, an amputation, um, but it was below the knee. So I have a left knee still and I have a left knee because that vascular surgeon did that procedure. And that vascular surgeon did that procedure because in that little 45 minute window that I was in the emergency room the night of my crash, he had been called down on a consultation. And as he was leaving the ER, walking past my room, he heard the trauma team trying to find a pulse in my left foot with a Doppler stethoscope. And the Doppler stethoscope is one of the tools of his trade. And so it it makes a very distinct sound. So he heard that sound and he popped his head in and Involved himself in my case, and when we came out of surgery that Saturday night, he had been there thirty hours.
0: Jeez! Oh. So I
1: have a knee because that man was willing to stay thirty hours. So, um, so I have a left knee. I don't have a left foot anymore. Um, <laughs> that's the that's the outcome of 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 the incident which I experienced a year ago, and um, and this is the thing that has acquainted me with a whole new level of of suffering and of grief and of pain um but it has become a context in which i have had the opportunity to see god at work and my family has had the opportunity to see god at work and and my children and so we're very thankful for god's grace even in the midst of a very difficult change of life
0: man so where is god in all this mess (laughs)
1: Yeah, God is very near. So God assures us in his word he's very near. And I know that um, even for believers, even for believers who would not call their faith wobbly, um, there are times of tragedy like this when God does not feel near and, and, and their faith is challenged. In God's grace, um, I was permitted to... To, to have an assurance that God was very near. So some of my first memories waking up that Saturday morning coming out of anesthesia was realizing that I have grace. And as we've reflected tonight, the Bible makes it clear. Our grace is not of our own making. It's a gift of God. And I realized I have faith. And if I have faith, that means God's at work and he's going to shepherd me through this and I can trust him. And so God was very near to me, um, in the events of my crash and in the aftermath and, Um, yeah, it is at times very hard to accept what God has ordained for me. Um, It has come with a lot of tears, but it's come with a lot of sweetness as well. Um, So one of the things in addition to having this very strong sense of assurance is that I very quickly had a, a deepened appreciation for God's people and for the elders of the church, for the ministers that Christ has provided to um, lead us in the ordinary means of grace, to proclaim God's word, teach God's word, preach God's word to us, and to administer the sacraments for us and to lead us in the prayers of God's people. Because I recognize those are the things that God have, has used to strengthen my faith, and and, um, and my faith was so needed um, of course our faith is always needed, but I was very aware of my need uh of God and, yeah. and uh it's that hyper of the role that faith played in that. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's right. Uh, yeah. You know, and I just think of Psalm forty six, uh, verse one, I believe, you know, it, it it and I might get this wrong, but it's God is our refuge and our strength, a very mm-hmm. present help in trouble.
1: That's exactly right. Okay. Yeah, that's you know exactly right.
0: So when <laughs> I've never lost a, a limb, you know, and and step, I didn't know you lost your leg. I didn't find out until this past summer um, that that happened to you. And I was like, man, wait, you, what? <laughs> you did what? And I had no idea that it had happened, you know, but you you didn't. You didn't mope around about it, you know, you were. I don't know, it was like this it happened so be it I'm alive and I'm still God's child like that that's the the attitude I got from you whenever you told me the story originally and it, it's I don't know how I would re, uh, respond if I you know lost a limb I, I yeah. don't you know I'm not even gonna sit here and lie to you I don't know how <laughs> how I would respond to that you know yeah
1: so. well. Those are kind words for you to say, and, and I and I certainly hope that um, that I've been quick to speak of God's kindness and quick to express my appreciation for all the ways that He has been merciful to me throughout all of this. But I'll, but I do also need to say that yeah, I definitely have my mopey days. That's for sure. I mean, you can ask my wife and kids, um, and. And certainly, it's been hard. There've been so many tears. Um, what has happened is is uh sad. It's really sad, and it and it it's a real loss. And I, and it's important to me to say that because other people experience loss as well. And you know, the Bible says to us, "Weep with those who weep." This is this is worthy of tears. But um, the Bible also assures us that. Even as we mourn, we are not they who mourn without hope. We are people who grieve, but we grieve with hope. Amen. And so, um, yeah. So for the for the believer, it's a it's a nuanced response. It's a more complicated response because we do say uh, this is not how it's meant to be, and and um, and we do say, "Come thou long expected Jesus," you know. In the concluding chapter of Scripture, uh, even so, Lord, come quickly so that the saints pray that Christ would come and make things right. I long for my resurrected body. I long to have my leg back. Um, And yet there is great, great comfort uh, to be had uh, even now by the work of his spirit, uh, by the love of God's people. Um, One of the things that helped us, one of the things that helped me— is that so many people prayed for me, and um, God heard their prayers. Uh, so this, we're ne- we've now hit the one year mark. And one of the things that I have most enjoyed this past year would be to bump into people around town or, or, or even elsewhere, and um, for someone to be out and about with their kid and and recognize me and say, "Hey, step, you don't know me, but my family has prayed for you." And to be able to bend down and say to that kid, thank you for praying for me, and to be able to say, God, here's your prayers. He's heard your prayers for me. God has sustained me, and he's helped me, and he's comforted me, and he's been merciful to me in so many ways. So my ability to to accept what God has provided and to continue on, I you know, I, I owe that to God and his people. Uh, God has been pleased to. Uh, hear the prayers of his people on my behalf and he's responded with much grace. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I counted a privilege to be able to, to talk about, um, God's mercy.
0: Amen. Amen, brother. You know, um, um, I'm looking up a, a hymn. It's one of my favorites and I'm a I'm gonna find it here in just a second. But w- another question that I, I do want to ask you is, uh when you lost your leg you know uh, this is a touchy one so was your was your pride affected and did did your pride uh, interfere with your faith
1: yeah this is not a fun one to confess it's not very flattering for us to be honest about our pride but um if you were to Ask my wife. She's a very honest woman, and she's very kind, so she would relay the truth in a kind manner. But she would have to say that I'm a very proud man, and and yes, my pride works against my faith. Um, so how has my pride been affected? Well, in many ways, but in one way, I, I'm tempted to make this story about me, and I'm tempted to push for things um, out of a sense of pride rather than enjoy what God has given to push for more than I more than I ought to seek, so those wonderful tools that I've referenced a couple of times, the Westminster Confession of Faith and and the catech and the Catechisms um, one of the things that they talk about is is help us understand when God has given us his moral law in the Ten Commandments, he is both forbidding some things, and he's calling us to certain duties. And one of the things that we say is forbidden when God tells us that we should not kill is that we should not pursue things to excess. So mm. we shouldn't overdrink, and we shouldn't overeat, and we shouldn't—we we, we would actually use recreation to excess. Like, we take good things, and we make them harmful things by using them to excess. And my pride tempts me to do that. Um, and it's by faith in God that I'm able to to rest and to say enough and to enjoy His gifts for what they are. They're gifts. They're not ultimate things. They're not adequate as substitute gods or as substitutions, you know, for for His plan. So, yeah, my pride affects me in a lot of ways. It it doesn't embarrass me to for people to see my prosthesis. In fact, I have the other thing. I'd rather show it off. I want people to think I'm hot stuff, you know, because <laughs> I have a prosthesis, that kind of thing. But but I do recognize that that is a danger. Um, and and that's harmful to my faith and and um, leads me away from dependence upon God and tempts me to trust in myself or other things. So that's definitely at play in all of this.
0: Well, now you have a permanent reminder
1: yeah, that's right. You know, I definitely do. I just thought of, uh, uh,
0: of Jacob, you know, with the 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 broken hip and everything and walking with the limp for the rest of his life.
1: Yeah, I was at lunch with somebody the other day and, and they said, you know, when we resist God's plan, we end up with a limp. And I said, What are you saying about me?
0: <laughs> no. But I
1: don't I don't need more people telling me I'm hard headed.
0: <laughs> I'm not Actually, saying that's that. exactly
1: what I need. I need more people telling me to uh, submit myself to God.
0: <laughs> no, but I came across the hymn I was looking for, and it's actually one of my favorites. It's Rock of Ages. And the very last verse, and I'm going to read it. It says, while I draw this this fleeting breath, when my eyes shall close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown, see thee thy judgment throne. Rock of Ages, cleft from me, let me hide myself in thee. And that verse, okay, and I know I can speak for myself when it comes to it. Whenever I deal with something tragic or I deal with something that is not too kosher uh, in my life, I always try to uh, force myself to remember who is the rock of ages. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: All right. And I am hidden in him. My entire life, my existence, every fiber of my being is hidden in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that goes back earlier to what I said about our confidence in our ability to know who God is and what He did for us and what He's given us. All right. It's that with faith that we have the faith that was freely given to us that we can say, okay, yeah. Step, I, I, you know, I have this prosthesis, but God is still the rock of ages. Yeah, that's right. Okay, and I'm hidden in him no matter how many limbs I lose. Yeah, okay. that's
1: right. That's exactly right.
0: You know, or how bad my faith may get, I am still hidden in the rock of ages. Mm-hmm. You know, just the, the title of the song in and of itself, Rock of Ages, how long has this thing existed? (laughs) How long has this God existed? You know, if he has existed for all this time, thousands of years, if you will, then we can surely have confidence in the very thing he gave us. His son, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's right. So, my last question, uh, step, and this is going to kind of close out the uh, the discussion. You know, how can we learn and grow in our faith through tragedy?
1: Yeah, such an such an important question because we are gonna, we are all gonna experience tragedy at some level. We're all gonna suffer uh, on some level. Probably many levels. We'll suffer in many ways over the course of our life. Yeah, your mention of Rock of Ages reminded me of of another hymn. Um, There's a hymn called Be Still My Soul. Yeah. And um, the third stanza of that hymn says, Be still my soul, when dearest friends depart and all is darkened in the veil of tears, then shall you better know his love, his heart, who comes to soothe your sorrow and your fears. Be still my soul, your Jesus can repay from his own fullness all he takes away. And, um... Yeah, I think that hymn does what you started doing with Rock of Ages. So Rock of Ages is a prayer to God. We're asking God, let me be hidden in him. You turned it, and you actually begin to speak it back to yourself to assure yourself that you are. That's what this other hymn is doing. It's We're addressing ourselves. We're addressing our own soul. Be still, my soul. Why? Why how can I be still in that moment of tragedy, a moment of loss? Because... In this, The Veil of Tears, you have an opportunity to better know God's love, better know his heart. There's a wonderful, wonderful book that was published in the last year, year plus, called Gentle and Lowly. uh, I have a copy of it, yeah. Such a wonderful um, exposition of a little place where Christ describes himself as being gentle and lowly in heart. And what our hymnody here is suggesting to us is it's in these moments of tragedy when we are being given an opportunity to know God's faithfulness and his tenderness uh, even more than we've known before. And I love that this hymn assures us Christ can repay everything that that he takes away in this life, and he's promised to do so. So um, in the meantime – We have this hope that not only are we hidden in Christ, the rock of ages, not only are we in him, but if we are his, if we're in him, he also is in us by his spirit working in us. And by the spirit, our faith will be sufficient. The spirit will nurture our faith. And these moments of hardship as undesired as they are by us. When God leads us through them, we can also say, despite the loss, despite the grief, there's also sweet blessing because they are moments in which we are better acquainted with God's love for us. And so I think that would be a key thing that we can learn in our times of tragedy.
0: Amen. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. That concludes this discussion. Um. <clears throat> now, um, real quick, uh, step. you mentioned some books earlier. Can you give us the names of those books? You said two German authors or theologians?
1: Yeah. So that's a really technical tool. Its, um, it's nickname is simply Kittel. Kittel, K-I-T-T-E-L, is one of the editors. It's called the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament. Theological Dictionary of the New Testament. And it's a set. It's a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten volume set. So that's one where you want to go hang out with your pastor or go to the library and make sure you want that before you spring for that. But there were some other books that I mentioned. Um, The thing that I've been quoting several times is the Westminster Confession of Faith and Catechisms. And certainly you can find bound copies of it, Um, but you can also find it online for free at places like – Uh, the Presbyterian Church in America's website, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church's website, and so forth. So that's a great resource. Um, I mentioned the letters of Samuel Rutherford, letters of Samuel Rutherford. I have the abridged copy, Um, so there are two versions. There's an unabridged version, and there's an abridged copy. And then one that I didn't mention um, but has been a really sweet help is a little book from the same era as Samuel Rutherford called The Bruised Reed. Hmm. And um, it's just full of comforting things. It's by a Puritan minister named Richard Sibbs, S-I-B-B-E-S. And then the book I just mentioned just now is Gentle and Lowly by Dane Orland. Wonderful book. Oh, awesome. and can't fail to mention my favorite book of applied theology. The Bible? No. Is- <laughs> So the uh, theology from the Bible, that's right. Uh, So the favorite uh, companion to the Bible is the Trinity Hymnal. So lots Uh, and lots of great theology, like the Rock of Ages and uh, My Face Looks Up to Thee and and all these wonderful hymns we've been talking about tonight.
0: Yeah, awesome. I love, uh, uh, we did uh, an episode on faith and music a couple weeks ago, and we talked about Mahalia Jackson. She's one of my favorite uh, gospel Mm. artists. And mm-hmm. she sings, my faith looks up to thee. And she also sings rock of ages and mm-hmm. her rendition of the rock of ages. Like there's one part where she just hums the song and then she comes in on the last stanza and just, you know, it's like you, it's like you're in heaven. Like you're, you're, you're literally walking up to the rock of ages to be in worship with him forever. Mm-hmm. And That's and great. it's, it's a beautiful uh quilt knitting if you will you know uh, look god is the center of the worship it's all about god it will always be about god we're just here to lose limbs suffer <laughs> for the sake of the gospel and continue carrying on and that and that's the beauty of how god uh has us wired in a sense you know uh one's faith might be stronger than the other um one's faith might be crispier than the other um or one's faith might be at soggy waffle I talked about earlier. But the joy is, you know, and I say this a lot. No one has ever been called to walk alone in his or her own faith. We walk together. And and that's or better yet, we limp together. <laughs> you know, that's right. we yep. limp along in our faith. But that's the that's the beauty of it. So, but that's all I have. Um, I'm going to urge the listeners, you know, look to Jesus Christ in the midst of our suffering. Lean on him, call to him, look to the hills from where your help comes from. To God be the glory for all the things that he has done for us. You have any questions about this episode? You can find us at anchor.fm forward slash elder queen forward slash message. Uh, we love hearing from the, uh, the listeners what you think about the show. Um, If you want to leave a voice message, do it. If you want to go to uh, Apple Podcasts and leave us a message, do it. Same thing with Google, same thing with Spotify. Um, Again, that's all I have, and that is the sign off.
2: You have reached the end of yet another episode from The Ear. We hope that God's word remains on the ears of the listeners. We pray that this podcast would urge you to go forth and spread his good news to the world. Thank you for tuning in. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. See you at the next episode. God bless you and may his glory shine upon you.